Hi and welcome to this second podcast. Glad to be joined again by Michael and Morris, Stee and Will. Thank you guys for all you said last week. I found it very, very helpful and really thought-provoking. As you know, these questions were posed by young couples and this one particularly couples with young families. So let me ask you your comments on this. As Christian parents, we're dealing with and trying to tackle issues much earlier and sooner than we ever expected. For example, as a family, we sit down and watch Strictly on a Saturday evening and a same-sex couple is taking part. It'd be good to hear your thinking in and around that. Who wants to go first? Maybe Michael? Thank you. This is a really great question, and I'm perhaps going to come across as quite strange on this one, because we stopped paying our TV license a long time ago, which doesn't mean that we watch TV illegally. It does mean we only watch DVDs and other things online. And we have found that to be really liberating. Why did we come to that decision? Well, what you put in your mind is really, really important. I'm sure we all agree with that. We sing a song at church that says, it's not what you think you are, you are, but what you think you are. In other words, what you think about shapes you as a character, as a person, it moulds you. And so for us, as we were sitting down on occasion at the end of the day, wanting to unwind, perhaps tired, maybe not on our guard, maybe more prone to temptation, and as we're being bombarded with all this stuff that perhaps is overtly unhelpful or maybe subtly unhelpful, we just felt that the number of programs we wanted to watch just was getting smaller and smaller. So we just made the decision. We thought, well, let's just give it a go and just just not have a TV license, not watch TV so much. And like I said, that was a few years back, I think about eight years ago. And really, honestly, I do not miss it at all. We did that as a couple before we had children. So it wasn't a parenting decision. It was just for us as we... Um, we're seeking then and still are to seek to grow in our knowledge and love of Jesus. Um, that means it's difficult for me to put myself into the question, although, of course, I can I can imagine what would it would be like if I was in that situation. If we're watching Strictly and the same-sex couple came on, we would probably use it as a teaching opportunity to explain that some people choose to go away from what God has instructed in his word We would use it as an opportunity to explain God's good design for our flourishing within marriage. And honestly, in all likelihood, we would probably just turn the program off, not just for the benefit of our children. but Personally, I wouldn't find it particularly helpful. I wouldn't particularly want to be entertained by something which in my mind was normalizing and trivializing something that the Bible speaks against. Now, like I've said, that might come across as really strange, and I'm certainly not mandating any of that, but that's just what we think is best for us as a family. And there are so many things, speaking positively, that we can do that don't involve sitting down in front of a television as a family. And so I would just also want to promote that as well. Thank you for that, Michael. Will, how would you speak into that? Well, I think this issue is kind of really unavoidable, isn't it, really? Because um, 
when we're watching TV with our kids, obviously my kids are a lot older now, it's different, but in the days when we were watching TV with our kids, even 15 years ago, 20 years ago, uh, the issues weren't the same. They weren't. You didn't see lesbian kisses, you didn't see same-sex couples dancing on Strictly and things like that. None of that was before the watershed. Now it is, and, and not even before the watershed, but actually prime-time viewing. And uh, probably part of an, you know part of the agenda to normalise these things with us in our society, as society gets gets used to them in that sense. Um, so obviously we have an issue, don't we? And I and I think that that it's it's no good walking away from them. Those things are there, and we need to address these issues. But obviously, to do it at an age appropriate way, when, when if if you know the program we're watching really, our kids shouldn't be watching that anyway. Then obviously you have to take those decisions. But notwithstanding that. I think if if it's a prime time program like, for example, the issue on Strictly, you know, if the kids bring it up and in a purely natural way and mention it, and you know, if, especially if they're in school, it won't be an unusual thing for them in some way. It'll be it'll be mentioned somewhere, and I think it's good then to just talk uh, about what God says His good design again is for mankind about one man and one woman, and that's how we're meant to be without being too over the top with it, but just talk about it in a very natural way. I think. And and saying that you know that the world isn't as it should maybe saying acknowledging the fact the world isn't isn't as it should be, uh, we are in a sinful world and we all make mistakes we all do things that aren't according to God's plan, and lots of us do that including us and acknowledge our own mistakes in the middle of that as well and the way we perhaps don't always live according to how God wants us to live too so acknowledge our own sin is very important too with our children but always acknowledging the fact that God's way is the best way it's the better story it's the best way of doing things and letting the children lead the questions rather than trying to just push something I think is very important as well because sometimes I think we have we have to we can sometimes take the opportunities and maybe ask the question but I think we need to as uh, as far as the length of the discussion goes I think it's a good idea that the children lead it at their pace. We're grateful to you Will and Morris what would your comments be? Well, my kids are quite young still, so I can't speak from experience just having to go through this myself. Let's talk about the Strictly thing first. We are Strictly fans, but we did decide not to watch it this year. That was partly to do with the same-sex couple thing. Um, although not because we're trying to hide it, we wouldn't have let our younger kids watch it anyway, probably. Um, our older child, we're not trying to hide the fact from her that there's gay people in the world, but actually we felt just sort of offended that something that is a particular art form is being sort of colonised or grabbed hold of by a different agenda. And we just thought we don't need to be preached at um, about that. Uh, so we don't want to try and hide from her that that happens in the world. I think... Uh, it is coming earlier, so um, our oldest child is nine. Um, there's a girl who's friends with her in her class whose older sister, teenage, has a quote-unquote girlfriend. Um, we basically said to our kids, tried to teach our kids, that we think it's important to do what God says. Lots of people in the world don't do what God says. But we never think we're better than other people because we all need God's forgiveness. And we basically try and use all of these discussions to, to say all of those things. So when, when she said to us, um, my friend's sister has got a girlfriend, can girls have girlfriends? We basically said, um, 
we wouldn't want you, um, we wouldn't encourage you to have a girlfriend because we don't think God says that's the way to live. But all of us reject God in lots of ways. So we don't think anything bad about that person that they're rejecting God. But, but we'd encourage you to, to not do that as you get older. Those things are complex. It's complex for adults to hold those things in place, isn't it? Basically, the idea of God's grace means that we both think people should behave in a certain way and we accept they don't. Um, that's hard for adults to hold together. I expect it to be hard for my nine-year-old to hold together. Um, but that's uh, that's right. I think you've also got to know your own child. Um, so our child's pretty young nine-year-old. In herself and um, she's not worldly wise um, and we want to uh, we do want to encourage that for as long as it's possible we want her to be a child without the pressure of thinking she has to be older um, the other thing someone said to me and I think this is really helpful is this is much to do with the type of home you have as it is what you say so um, I worry about our kids feeling left out and insecure because they don't have the same things, we don't let them watch the same things, we don't give them mobiles with the same games on as their friends and stuff like that. And we, we are pretty determined about that. But um, if we have a home life where they're loved and valued, where we pay attention to them, we play games together, we do lots of stuff together as a family, and we enjoy time together, I get you know, would try, even when I'm tired, to be really interested in the things that she's doing, then we're hopefully not allowing a gap to open where she feels like she needs to be playing Fortnite all the time in order to be in with everybody else. Um, that was some advice someone else gave us. We found it quite helpful. Thank you, Morris. Again, that's really thought-provoking. And Stee, would you speak into that for us, please? This all comes down to what we expect in this world. I can't wait for the glory lands when there's no threat either external to my children or bubbling out of them and their sinful hearts. But it seems like as parents we are becoming increasingly aware that there is an aggressive agenda of secularism that is seeking to shape and evangelise our children. And it's so powerful because it comes with catchy jingles, exciting TV programmes, it comes with media it comes with film, it comes on the news, and it comes through social media. Let me remind you what the role and responsibility of a parent is. The role and resp responsibility of a parent is both to protect and to prepare our youngsters for a life in a fallen world that has suppressed the truth about God and in its wisdom has become fools. Now it's worth me pointing out at this stage that I would be that fool too if it weren't for the love of Christ invading my life and the clarity of his word showing me what it means to walk humbly, knowing I'm a sinner and knowing I live in a threat from, a, from the world. So how do we deal with some of those things in our families? Well, we have to do it in an age-specific way, but we also mustn't have the naive, naivety of thinking that we can either have no impact on our youngsters or the only way we have our, any impact on our youngsters is by cloistering them away and making them overprotective. That may protect them, but it doesn't prepare them. So I want to encourage you to have a long-term view of shaping the whole world view of your youngsters. And at the appropriate age, it means you need to protect them from things that they can't quite understand. 
which will mean that you uh, take steps to uh, be mindful of what it is they're watching, whether you think that they are um, mature enough to understand, think about how much it influences them. But at the same time, it means that you will do what is spoken of in the book of Deuteronomy, where they would talk about God's law as they walked along the way. What does that mean? It means interpreting and understanding the gospel of a secular world that is being preached at them. Now, let me remind you that every, uh, every false gospel way of living, identifying who you are, um, what you pursue, what you view as your promised land, is always a corrupted version of the true gospel of people made in the image of God, to know him, to love him. And what I want to do with my kids is equip them to have ears to spot it. So rather than thinking merely in terms of categories, that is morally bad and that is a bit more wholesome, I want you to think about the gospel that the things that your kids see is preaching at them. What do I mean by that? There were certain TV programmes that we wouldn't let, let our kids watch when they were young um, because we were worried that it was dealing with adult topics until we realised that, okay, what would be safe? Barbie princess cartoons. Huh, what harm could that possibly do? And it wasn't until uh, till the girls were a little bit older we realised that what those cartoons do that seemingly are innocuous and are just about a princess trying to find her way, was they were evangelising our youngsters' hearts to be quite self-absorbed, to view themselves only as having value if they looked a particular kind of way, to say that romantically you were only whole if you were in a relationship with a handsome prince, and so on and so forth. So although there was no bad language, though there was um, nothing uh, outwardly moral, morally reprehensible, it was teaching and evangelising a false gospel of what it meant to be a human being. Now, as parents, you need to tool yourself up to get wise to what is the gospel that are being preached at your kids and gradually, over time, train them to think about where and what they set their hearts on. Is it the things of this world? Is it finding identity in their own performance, how they look, whether they've got attention, whether they get their own way, or is it to teach them that fundamentally they're people who are made in the image of God, loved by him, and all of Jesus' great and precious promises that he has secured for us by the forgiveness of our sins and being brought into him is a better ambition and a better gospel than anything that the world has ever offered. Now, I know what you want. What you want is me to give to you the perfect answer, the sort of game, set and match for a particular moment that you face with your youngsters because you suddenly get the alarm bells going off and you suddenly realise that you're under threat. Can I tell you, you ought to un, uh, sort of don't overestimate the ability of long, slow, gradual training and don't overestimate, uh, sorry, I'll get my, my estimations right. Whatever you do, don't put too much stock in simply thinking that if you had that one, one-off good answer, you would redirect the hearts of your children. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that at all. We realise that what you've got is youngsters who've got sinful hearts who want to pursue hard after anything other than the Lord, but for his grace, in a world that desperately wants to evangelise them. Your words haven't got enough power on their own in that tiny moment to redirect that. But what you can do is in an age-appropriate way, protect from certain things and interpret and offer 
the hope of Jesus as a better alternative. So if I'm watching Strictly, which I pretty much never do, and I see something on there that concerns me, what I'm able to say is something like this. I'm able to say, there's some people on there who just want to live a flourishing and full life. And for them, they've found it in the way that they look, or in the way that they perform, or the applause of others. And it's very alluring, because to be honest with you, I want to feel totally accepted. I want to look good and strong. I want to have success behind me. But what about those moments when we can't all be that lovely as the people on Strictly? Or we don't quite find our answers to uh, what it means to do romantic love on Strictly? Can I tell you a better gospel? Let me tell you, Jesus, who establishes our standing before the most important set of eyes in the whole universe, or outside the universe, the living God. Let me tell you about one who knows the worst about you, that you, you can't cover up with fancy, shiny clothes. He knows the worst about you, but he loves you anyway. He's the one in whom we should put our hope. What about if you want all eyes on you? What if you want to be glory? Let me tell you, there is one who is more glorious, who when you see him, you'll want all glory to go to him. And of course we want to be loved by somebody. In fact, sometimes we can get infatuated by that idea. But the Lord has given us a way to work that out in total safety, in a way that is satisfying to a degree in this age. And it's called marriage. So what you want to do is pursue that if the Lord wants it for you. But fundamentally, he is the hope that our hearts desire, not the things that we see up on front of our TV. Can I tell you what will happen in that moment? As you tell them that, they won't suddenly have the clouds parting, uh, orchestral music break out and go, <gasps> no, but if you slowly just keep on subtly reminding them, subtly reminding them that the hope and the promise of the gospel is better than any gospel that is around. And if you offer that out and prayerfully seek the Lord, don't be surprised how much that shapes their outlook. Of course, we can't always fend off those scary things that give us a sense of how out of control our parenting is. But what we can do is faithfully over a long period of time, teach our kids that, that the gospel of Jesus Christ makes sense of us and explains the world and offers hope unlike anything else. So go and get to it. Thank you guys, really grateful to all four of you for giving the time and coming at this both biblically and also very practically and bringing to bear your experience as dads and also as pastors and trying to help our young couples. Thank you for listening again today and join us again next week as we pose another question to these four guys. <music>